Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. It's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. You know Dasher and Dancer. Here I am. There's 12 days to Christmas. We play Christmas music now. Executive decision. That's what has happened. But we're rolling along on the show. Still celebrating Syracuse's national championship on the men's soccer pitch uh, from last night. But right now we're going to shift our attention to the football field as we bring in our friend ESPN uh, ACC reporter, football reporter David Hale. Uh, David, uh, welcome into the show. And you know, I think we have to start. This is not necessarily ACC news or Syracuse news in any reason. And I don't know if it's really impacted you specifically in crossing his path. But the, the story in college football today is the, uh, the the shocking passing of Mike Leach and everything that's happened here in the, the last few days. But, uh, David, it feels like everybody in college football in any way or another has some kind of wacky Mike Leach story. So have, have you did you ever get to cross paths with him at, at some point or uh, run into somebody that had one of those crazy Mike Leach stories? Oh, yeah. I mean, you don't get to work in, in this business for long uh, without – uh, some, I mean, this sort of goes to show the the absolute reach that he had. I mean, it's not just did you cover Mike Leach, but it's impossible not to have covered somebody who worked for Mike Leach. I mean, mm-hmm. there's nobody I don't think who has had a wider uh, impact, you know, of of what they do and the people that they've been around. And um, you know, the thing that I I have such an appreciation for about how he handled his job and this is it can be very transactional in this business right i mean reporter needs story and wants quotes and info you know coaches want you to write good things about them it's very much like i'll scratch your back you scratch mine more often than not but that was never the case with with leach i mean he would call you up at like midnight because that's when he had free time, and then he'd be fine chatting for an hour about mm-hmm. God knows what. And the reason he could do it is because he wasn't – it never felt like he was talking to you as a reporter. He was talking to you just as another guy who liked college football, lived in the world, and might be might have something interesting to say. And I think that's a rarity these days when you have you know coaches making $10 million a year and reporters on the verge of being laid off every week, like – the disparity between the two jobs has never been wider, and Mike Leach treated everybody like, you know, just a, a human being. And I think, um, I don't know that that should be considered like this high standard, but in this business, it certainly was. And I mean, that's, that's the thing I'll always appreciate about my interactions with him. Yeah, yeah. And, and you said it. And that, that story's not unique. It's amazing. It's everyone that has told that, that same story here. Uh, the last few days, you know, along those lines, I, I think it was Lincoln Riley. I, I saw this uh, attributed to when he was on Leach's staff at, at some point uh, along the way said that, Hey, one time Mike picks up the phone, he's having a half hour conversation with somebody. The the call gets dropped. He calls the guy back, finishes it, you know, another half hour later. And Lincoln asked him, Hey coach, who was that? Oh, it's the wrong number. And he, <laughs> and he still talks to, he talks to a random dude for an hour on the phone. Yep. I mean, that, like Mike Leach was, fascinated by the world, I think, and every person that he got to talk to offered him an opportunity to learn something new. And I think that's a great lesson to try to take from him because, you know, I think it's so easy to get into your sort of myopic tunnel vision of like, this is what I got to accomplish today. And this is what needs to happen. And to take a step back and say like, Hey, you know, here's a random stranger that called me by accident. Let's see what he ha- is all about. Like that—that's a a 
really beautiful thing when you sit back and think about it. Yeah, I have no idea if there's any way in the world to track down a random person who accidentally called Mike Leach <laughs> once, but I'd love to hear that end of the uh, the phone conversation. And, and, you know, David and Pete Thamel wrote a, a nice article about uh, uh, Mike on ESPN.com this morning when the news uh, officially came out that he had passed away. And, you know, there's all the stories in there. We played the, the Halloween candy uh, bit on the, on the show yesterday, and you could hit the the marriage thing or the Pac-12 mascots battling each other. It doesn't matter. They're all great. But, you know, he mentioned that, like, this this dude, and you forget about it because of all the other stuff, like, he he knew football. Like, he won football yeah. games at tough places. And the air raid offense, you know, maybe he wasn't the originator. You look at Hal Mummy and all that. But, like, he, he brought it to the masses, and he put his own particular spin on it. Like, what, what do you think the effect of Leach is going to be on, on the college game, like, going forward now 5, 10, 15, 20 years? You know, you know, the thing is, too, it's, I think this is probably true in life in general, in that um, to, to do something new, to be an innovator, requires you to be willing to be outside the box, to not conform, to have people sort of point and laugh a lot. And the beauty of Mike Leach is he did not give a damn what anybody thought of him. (laughs) And uh, I think that is why he was able to be successful and sustain this through a period in which, I mean, look, you know, for, for, for folks watching the game today that weren't around during his sort of heyday at, at Texas tech and, you know, 15, 20 years ago, like don't remember, like it was a gimmick. It was a joke. Like this is not a thing that people thought could win big. It was not a thing, you know, it was sort of like running the triple option. Like it was a thing that you did at places that couldn't do real football. And now it is real football. It's everywhere. Even the places that aren't necessarily running it are running some, you know, part of it within their offense. It is just part of the NFL level. Like that is um, a testament to not just how innovative it was, but his willingness to sort of sustain that over the long haul, that it wasn't sort of the one-off joke, that it, that, um, and that he was so invested in other people learning it, understanding it, and getting good at it too, that that coaching tree, I mean, pick up any other great coach uh, in the, the last 50 years of college football and look at their coaching tree, and I'm not sure there's a single person whose coaching tree looks better than Mike Leach's, and he's the guy that all of the powers that be 20 years ago scoffed at, and you look now, and, I mean, the influence is uh, utterly... Um, you, know, you, you can't put it into words. There, there's no accounting for just how widespread it is at this point. Yeah, I mean, if you if you go back in time, like if you're going to circle one game uh, that that had the biggest effect on all of this and the explosion of this, it, it's probably uh, when when Texas Tech beat Texas on that Crabtree play back in, back in '08. It's like, oh, uh, a team like this can can beat legit in a real game one of the big boys, and off it goes. As David Hale, ESPN is our guest, and uh, you know the, these things they reverberate back to the football field, and it's kind of six degrees of the whole thing, but it, it touches Syracuse in, in a weird way this week. We, we spent all last week talking about how Dino Babers lost both of his coordinators with Tony White going to Nebraska and, and Robert and I uh, going to NC State. And, you know, the weird machinations of all of it, Zach Arnett is now like the acting head coach at Mississippi State, who was Dino's D.C. for like a week and a half before Zach White showed up here. It's very weird how it all it all comes together in a week like this. But uh, what did you make, David, of uh, everything that happened at Syracuse last week? It, it feels like every move in a vacuum kind of makes sense in its own way. But when it when it all happened in the same afternoon, it was like, 
Oh, oh my yeah. goodness, what is going on right now? Well, I mean, this is sort of, in some ways, very indicative of the Syracuse season as a whole. Like, okay, 7-5, and five, that's, that's better than I think a lot of people thought. Like, pretty good. But then you look at the way it happened, and it's like, well, I don't know. <laughs> Was it a little bit of smoke and mirrors? Did it end on such a down note to kind of sour the larger success? Like, I think, you know, there's so much of where Syracuse is right now that is um, – you know, I as a beholder situation, like which which angle are you viewing it from? Because that's, they're going to tell very different stories. I look at this and I think, you know, again, in the in the specific context, it's hard to argue with those coordinators making the moves that they made. Like, that adds up. Um, and uh, I don't know, particularly in Robert and I's case, it's not like he was uh, a lifer with, with Dino. That was a, mm-hmm. a little bit of a mercenary type of move when he first made it because of the situation at Virginia the year before. Uh, but there's also sort of the looming specter of like, all right, seven and five gets Dino another year, but does it get him five more years? Right? Like, is it, was it the stepping stone to something more or was it just a season where a lot went right and fewer things went wrong and enough came together? Like, I think there's like, we see this all the time. I mean, Scott Satterfield leaving Louisville for, for Cincinnati is a perfect example of like, you know, coaches, when you know sort of the Grim Reaper might be coming up behind you, the opportunity to jump to some safe passage, I think they will do often. It's about restarting the clock, right, like in a new place. I don't know that that's necessarily uh, the underpinnings of, of everything that happened here, but I do think that there's some uh, thought of like, well, you know, like there are no guarantees about what happens by the end of 2023, whereas if we go somewhere else, like, it's safe harbor for a while and staying one step ahead of the ax man, I think can be a, a good motivator within college football too. So, uh, you know, again, I, I think you can, you can make a case. This was a very successful Syracuse season. I think you can also make the case that like the season didn't end up the way we wanted. And I think that probably that vantage point is a good motivator to pick up and go somewhere that might offer some distinct advantages at this point. Uh, yeah, and you know, I said each move kind of makes sense in its own vacuum. Just when it all happened at the same time, that that was an aggressive afternoon for for Syracuse uh, football. And you know, they've they've already replaced Robert and I with Jason Beck. Uh, you know, taking the QB coach and promoting him. Um, the DC position is still kind of up in the air a little bit. And your colleague Adam Rittenberg reported earlier today that Rocky Long, who, from my understanding. It was his job if he wanted it, this defensive coordinator job three years ago. He's now 72 years old, uh, quote-unquote retired, but never actually stopped coaching a, a few years ago. What would you make of that situation where the godfather of this three-three-five defense might you know, venture away from the West Coast for the first time ever? I, I think it would be kind of brilliant, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I don't know what the timeline is, but on somebody like that, like you, as you said, age says something here. But, you know, again, this is part of the reason others might be leaving. Is Rocky Long isn't looking for a job to coach for the next 10 years. He's probably looking for the next couple of years. And, you know, it's, it's again, talk about sort of the, the uh, ways that all this stuff connects. So I remember talking to Mike Leach a few years ago about which, which coach out there has the best answer to what you guys do offensively like who has schematically has the best counter to what all of the new variations of the air raid have brought to college football and the name he said is rocky long uh and and so i think you know look i think part of the the challenge of 
coaching defense at a place like Syracuse, when Syracuse is playing the style of ball that they want to play, is finding a defense that can sort of balance with what the offense wants to do. Rocky Long's done that, and he can do that. I think it is. I think that would be a great fit. I think it would be a great fit for where they're at right now. Um, whether it actually happens, I think will be interesting. As you said, age, geography, the fact that the job was his before and he didn't take it. All of those things are, are sort of interesting uh, footnotes to this, but I think it'd be a great fit. Yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy. It's crazy how this all happens. And Nick Monroe, he's been here forever with, with Dino now. He's, he's the interim D.C. And uh, that's what's so interesting about this specific defense, right? Like, uh, of Okay, Tony White's gone. Zach Garnett's at Mississippi State. Literally the only other guy walking the planet that, that has as much or more experience at this defense is the guy that did it himself. There's nobody else out there if you want to if you want to run the same defense unless you're going to turn it over to Nick Monroe's. You know, he's done it for three years here, but he's never called those plays before. And there is something to be said, as, as you noted, with the offensive coordinator uh, promoting of, of, uh, Jason Beck, that, you know, there's there's something to be said for some continuity and particularly mm-hmm. coming off of a year where you're going to bring back some, some talent and you had some success. I mean, the defense has been really good the last two years. Um whether the offense has played consistently enough, I think, is an issue, and and part of that is 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 having some continuity too. So yeah, I guess I mean I wouldn't have a problem with staying in house. It wouldn't be the worst thing. And I mean, look, uh, you know, if Dabo can hire uh, coordinators who haven't called plays before at Clemson, mm-hmm. I don't think there's any reason to suggest that that it can't happen at Syracuse too. Yeah, I mean, hey, everyone's got to do it for the first time sometime. Like if you're going to be a coordinator, right. like you gotta you gotta call plays uh, somewhere. And it doesn't uh, change a whole lot depending on the level if you know what to call or, or what not to call. David Hale is our guest, and uh, you know the transfer portal. It, it is uh, wild and wacky, and uh, the ACC quarterback part of it is the, maybe the craziest part we have going in the country right now. Where you know half the starters in the league are just up and moving around. So as it once again ties together, uh, should, should we just draw the direct line from Brennan Armstrong to NC State, or is, is that too obvious with Robert and I having gone down there? Um, you know, and the thing is, NC State's got a couple of guys that that, that looked good as freshmen yeah. this year in relief. So you wonder, like, where that is going to end up. This is, you know, uh, relationships like that are going to play a big part. I mean, look, the perfect example is is Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams, and that show went on the road, and mm-hmm. it worked out just fine. So I think, you know, what what you're seeing is there are ties to coaches, schemes. Um, and, and relationships like that that, that uh, supersede the actual team that, that you're uh, playing on. And so the transfer portal opens up a door for you to follow that that didn't exist before. And, and look, the fact of the matter, like Brent Armstrong is a great example of how uh, we can preach loyalty and it's great for guys to stick to their schools and, and, and stay with their teammates and follow things through and a coaching change happens. It hurt Brent it hurt Armstrong without question. Um, he did not have any we're close to the same level of success away from Robert and I. So, yeah, I mean, it makes a ton of sense to play in a system with a coach that understands what your strengths and weaknesses are and can help you succeed. So I think, look, I'm not going to go out on a limb and predict that necessarily. And as you said, there's a ton of stuff up in the air. We've already seen Kovic go from BC to Pitt, so it's not at all unreasonable to think guys stay sort of within the circle. But I think the larger picture point here is that, like, you know, we've provided a lot of freedom to coaches over the years. Players are taking advantage of that same thing now. And um, it, you look at some of the, the outcomes, and it's easy to understand why. Yeah, it's, uh, heck, why, why not go to a place where if you're not completely familiar with it, you, you know, you've played there before, you, you kind of at least sort of know the scene of the other school's 
in the in your conference. Make, it makes a ton of sense uh, from my view when you see those players transferring within league, which, you know, before this past couple of years was just, oh, you can't do that. you got to sit out for 78 years. You can't go to another school in the same league. All right, David, I have no idea why we're going to need to talk the next time, but uh, it's football. Something stupid's going to happen, so I'm sure we'll have something to talk about here uh, before too long. But uh, if it's not before the new year, have a happy holidays. Always good to chat, and we'll, we'll do it again soon. Right back at you. Thanks so much. David Hale, ESPN. Uh, great to hear it. You know, it, it didn't matter if it was David or anybody else uh, that covers college football. Uh, they were going to have a Mike Leach story of some kind. That is just uh, the rule. If you were doing that in any way at a local level that intersects with the leech, he's not really intersected with, with Syracuse directly. Or if you're at a national level, just uh, some way, somehow, you're going to intersect uh, with that guy. Uh, gone far too soon, passing away, uh, I believe, last night uh, officially at the age of 61. We'll take a break now. Maybe a, a little hit on Orange basketball when, when we come back. Yeah, I guess we – was there a game last night? Hmm. have to check on that. Back to soccer. Top of the hour. Color analyst on the ESPN broadcast last night. Devin Kerr will join us at 3. Bills at 3.30 with Heather Prusak. Off and running today. It is the 315 here on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.